podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello. 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 Coming to you from Pasadena, California, where we are in police-prescribed lockdown mode. Which is actually actually true. There's a yeah. there's a bad man wandering around, so they told us to lock all the doors and mm-hmm. windows, mm-hmm. and don't go outside, and yeah. don't go outside, and ha- and have dogs. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay that we have one. Yes, yeah. yeah, we're gamers. We don't go outside. No, except for fair. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for season twenty four, episode ten of Happy Chicks RPG <laughs> Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Tappy. I'm Joey. And Tappy's mic might be muted. Just on. Hello. Don't put it on your nipple. Put it in the middle. Yeah. My holder. Zone. Put it on your third boob. <laughs> <laughs> the all-seeing boob. <laughs> In this episode of Happy Jacks, uh, Andreas asks, "Do we need character advancement?" Mm-hmm. Ryan from Rocket City sends his thoughts on our thoughts on D and D glasses, mm-hmm. and McWorm writes in about a ten-year-old murder hobo. <laughs> But first, I if you'd like to those. email us, and you should email us because yes. we're getting light on emails again. What? Happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Yes. We're on many social mediors. We're on, we have a forum, which is, I guess, is a form of social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess. Whatever it is, you'll be there. Sure. You should be there. Happyjacksforum.com. It's, it's anti social media. Anti social media. <laughs> Isn't that just books? <laughs> 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 Police prescribed locked lockdowns. Right. Right. <laughs> Sudoku, isn't that antisocial media? I think so. Uh happyjacksforum.com for our forum. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and MeWe. Happy Jacks RPG all one word. If you'd like to watch the show live, go to happyjacks.org slash live at seven PM ish, especially today. Uh <laughs> Pacific time on Fridays and you can hear us do our thing live. Yep. Uh also upcoming is JackerCon. So starting June 23rd, you can go to JackerCon.com. JackerCon is our online fan-run Happy Jacks convention. Yes. So you can play games with us. You can play games with other Happy Jacks fans. Um, It's free. You sign up and you can run games or play in games. There's people all over the world participating, so there's pretty much stuff in every time zone. And I'm going to use the same joke I've said every single time. You have to bring your own beer. It's funny because it's from home. It's funny. (laughs) Shut up. I hate you. Chewbacca. Um, <laughs> I was doing Ed McMahon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I get those two confused. Ed McMahon <laughs> It's okay. I'll strangle you both. It'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, was there some, oh, and also, Game X is uh, yes. next weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's uh, what May. Was it twenty later? Twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth, or twenty third? Oh, I don't, I don't think know. it's that far in. I think it's uh. Uh, May 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th. 4th, 25th, 26th, and 27th at the beautiful LAX Hilton Hotel in downtown LA over by the airport. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're streaming a bunch of games. People are running games. Um, I don't know if we have any spots. I mean, people were able to sign up. I think they might be full, but check. Um, We also have a bunch of people who are running games at Games on Demand. Um, So I know I'm running stuff down there. I'm running some of the stuff I've written at Games on Demand. Jason and Tomes are both running... Uh, Domes runs all of Games on Demand. Um, So there's lots of very cool things happening. He is the Games on Demand god. He is. uh, 
get it because the acronym for games on demand. That's is good. G-O-D. That's funny. So, it's, so he's God God. He's God God. <laughs> but you didn't laugh at Bring Your Own Beer. Like I'm supposed to laugh at that, but you didn't laugh at Bring Your Own Beer. I, didn't, a- I didn't expect you to laugh at it. Oh, okay. I explained it to make it land. <laughs> 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 it worked. Everybody knows that jokes get better when you explain them. <laughs> of course. Yeah. First rule of comedy. Yeah. No, second. <laughs> First <laughs> rule of comedy is timing. Yeah. Third rule is rule of threes. Yeah, that's yes. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fourth rule is hear someone else say a funny joke, walk ten feet, say it louder. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. All right. Uh, do we need character advancement from Andreas in Se? Sweden, I assume. I think it's Sweden. S <laughs> E. Se. Or Southeast. Uh, hi, Stu and the crew. Hello. Or it could be Southern Estonia. Ooh. Possibly. Here it's lovely this time of year. Actually, I do. It's like I have a friend that's in Estonia. <laughs> Estonia I didn't know right people now. went to Estonia. Uh, yeah, I mean you can. You can. It's pretty. Is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no, I wouldn't have any idea. When they were a former Soviet state, right? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, yeah. I think they were. Mm-hmm. Most of the Onias were. Right. <coughs> and Ias. Hi, Stu and the crew. A long while back, I sent in an email questioning the need for character advancement. As Erica successfully revisited an old topic. I thought this was also worth a retake. So, do we need character advancement? I suggest that many times the idea of continuous advancement is an artifact is an artifact of class-based design. Traveler, when it first arrived, had no advancement system as the characters were already developed and interesting. Fate has a very limited advance advancement system where you mainly rewrite the character to adapt to experiences and secondary Add, and secondary, add new abilities. Isn't the most interesting thing, after all, how the character you play acts in the light of experiences, not really cool abilities? And he misspelled cool intentionally. Cool. cool. Yeah, it's cool that way with a K. I suggest rewriting the character instead of piling on new stuff would suit many more games than Fate. It, if interesting things happen in the story... In the story continuously, do we need advancement? Cheers, Andreas in Southern S-E. Ethiopia, <laughs> Estonia, or Estonia. Yeah, <laughs> trying to think of other mm. countries that start with an E. I think I've England. Oh, <laughs> that's not no, oh, that's, that's great not a country. That's, that's great, great Britain. Britain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're splitting hairs, <laughs> or foxes, Ecuador. or rabbits, or right. whatever you want to call them. Ecuador. Oh, Ecuador. Ecuador. There, you go. there you go. Is that it? Is it? Did it? No, there has to be more. Yeah, I'm sure there's more. That's fine. That's not important. <laughs> so does anyone anyone does anyone have any I- opinions on whether we need character advancement and the idea of rewriting your character and j- just having them change rather than become more powerful and have new feats or higher stats or more skills? I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> I I personally like character advancement. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it's a way of uh, <coughs> pulling pulling. Uh, the the story along, especially if you aren't doing necessarily story beats. <coughs> if you are kind of just doing a tickle D and D module dungeon crawl, it helps you know make you feel like you're getting somewhere. And I think also it helps kind of follow the hero's journey arc too. That your hero is learning things, they're growing, they're getting stronger at what they can do, so they can eventually take on the big big bad. Otherwise, you're just kind of fighting rats in a basement for Ever. nine months. That also really takes into account the idea that of D and D first level character. Like there are a lot of games that 
don't start out that way, mm-hmm. where you start out like Traveler or some other ones, where you start out as like a fully functional, like whatever is that you right. are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the kind of story you're telling, <coughs> whether or not you need new abilities in mm-hmm. order to go through that journey that makes you a, a three-dimensional character. Um, so, like, if you're playing a Game of Thrones scale of game, well, yeah, you're going to advance because you have a 12-year-old girl who doesn't know how to shoot a bow turn into an assassin. Right. Well, you, you obviously have character advancement there, and that that's more than just rewriting some things about this character. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's significant change and significant age increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that... Absolutely, but if you're doing other ones, that especially if the game is is paced kind of after like what a movie would be or something, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to. Especially if you already start out as fully fleshed out characters at the beginning, mm-hmm. you don't have to get more abilities in order to go through that hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, I'm sort of biased with this because I'm a teacher, <coughs> so I like people getting better at things. I like people learning things, and it. I, I, I like part of it where it's like there's the change. I, I think you have to change. I don't necessarily think you need to like get more powerful necessarily, although I like that part. But like Traveler Now, like I love, like you can study. That's what you do. You study up and like while you're traveling from system to system. I know. Stop looking at me. I know. <laughs> I love that. Like your favorite thing about this game is that you get to study. Well, like, well you, you've got a you've got a week of downtime every yeah, time you make right. a jump. And they and they and Which you is... get to use that, and you can be like, I'm gonna learn this other language. Like mm-hmm. this is what you're gonna do if you're on a starship, and like that's all you got to do is. Yeah. Depends <laughs> so like, on the hotness well, of the other people. In yeah, the, and uh, I, I like that the mm. with traveler specifically, you have the freedom. Like I can become more badass, or. You know, <coughs> I can do something that like like learn another language. I can practice cooking. Like, like right. you get all those choices, so you advance. Whether you advance in a way like D and D, where you become like, oh, I become a master of hand to hand combat or whatever, or if you just do stuff that deepens your character's your choice. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still advancement. I think it's still cool. I think one of my favorite uh, advancement techniques that I've come across recently, although it's not new to anybody but me, because I mostly played D and D for a long time, is the mm-hmm. PBTA advancement. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, I love that in most games where you f- it, you know you fail, you get advancements, or you get uh, XP to put towards an advancement. But a lot of the advances or uh, advantages you can take after <coughs> you advance are mostly lateral progression. It's mm-hmm. you get a new ability, not a better ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's really interesting. It lets you kind of explore the breadth of your character without necessarily making them OP or min-maxing in one. One avenue. Yeah, yeah. I like being able to do more of my character as things yeah. go on. Yeah. Right. Even if it's just like, oh, I didn't. My character didn't know that, or I didn't know that my character could do this skill yeah. before. But yeah. now see, I, th- I think most games, even if they don't have character advancement, really kind of do have character advancement. Yeah, I agree. Because equipment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. in Traveler. Oh yeah, you that's start huge. out with a slug thrower or a holdout pistol, mm-hmm. and and you know, and, and you get battle dress, right? And an FGMP fifteen, <laughs> and suddenly, yeah, you're a badass, and you didn't, your skill level is the same as it's always been. But no one's going to get in a fight with you anymore, <laughs> right? And and also the amount of influence your character has. I mean, it, some t- some games have mechanics for that, but a lot of them don't. It's like you know more people, you've helped people in the past, you can call in favors. You know, you've uh, made contacts and stuff, and that all influences how you. you uh, That's all ways that you can influence the game and you can influence the world. So, I think there, and that's. I mean, and that's just a natural progression of the game. Mm -hmm. They don't even Mm -hmm. call it character advancement. I don't think most people think of it as it, but it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, In uh, 
old L5R, um, I think this is way back to first edition, um, it, you would get honor and glory by things you just did in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And glory especially has a huge impact because suddenly, oh wow, I'm in charge of a town. Right. Oh wow, I'm in charge of a city now. Like, I have to lead this battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But, like, that is a huge change your character, really based on what you're doing. It's and not it, even XP. It's in fourth, too. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's glory and honor rules in there as well. And that and, and it goes up, and once once the players realize it's a thing, they're like, how much glory do I get for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, the Ikoma, I think it's Omadaisu, the, the bards can increase the glory. Oh, the lion bard school? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've been actually thinking about this a ton this last week. Um, I've been writing uh, my own game with a game system, and it's all about the characters transforming. It's not necessarily about them becoming more powerful. Um, James' plug is called uh, Virgins and Vixens, and it's about basically taking the tropes of women in folk tales and making them more fleshed out, like normal, real people. But so they you, but they start out. Yeah, you start out as, as the, the trope. Like right. you, you get five wor- five descriptor words that you can use to roll stuff, and they're <coughs> super tropey. Yeah. <laughs> Problematically tropey. Problematically, like, and, it's, and that's by design. Like, yeah. people are like, "I feel awkward playing this because it feels very disrespectful to women." I'm like, "Yes, that's the idea. You start out as a trope, and then as you play, you, you fix your character. You fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so you might start out as, you know, the the prize princess who, you know, you're beautiful and vapid and trusting, and you know, all these things, um, and charming. So you might have like one word that's helpful." But as you play, um, you, you gain, uh, they're called improvements, and once you get a certain number, you can cross out one of those useless words and add in one of your own. So you can be naive, and then after you cross it out, you can be like, oh, scrutinizing. Mm-hmm. So you get to get better as you play. <laughs> I, I love how you literally wrote a game to teach people about negative tropes of women yes. in media. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. absolutely. <laughs> awesome. And it's a very good game. I have so much fun. Yeah, so I haven't slept a lot in the last week because uh, the deadline for me to get this game in for this folk jam- folklore jam is tonight. But um, but I, so I've, like, like thinking about character advancement and what that looks like has been something I've been really thinking about because like these descriptor words and watching and doing the playtest the other day, some people change their descriptor words to things that were uh, that they could utilize, that would be really helpful in the game. So they'd cross out something, and which is fine, you're absolutely allowed to do that. They'd cross out um, uh, like naive, and then they'd write in, you know, like um, uh, murdery. Well, like <laughs> magic, like magical. Okay. So then, like, I, they've been trying and learning magic, and then they, you know, they got um, advancements and they got magical. Um, and some people do stuff that's much more character, like like self confident and things like that, which is which is you can be useful in certain situations too. But going from like humble to self confident and things like that, so <coughs> it's just interesting. <coughs> The way different people approach character advancement, too. Right. Kind of like our 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 conversation about Traveler a little while ago. Like, some people are going to take that route that's going to make them um, more effective... <coughs> excuse me. More effective as a character. Well, a lot of people are going to take the route that makes that... the Like, more sense as a character. Right. Like, as far as character choices. So. Por que no los dos? <laughs> exactly. Like, a little I bit mean, of both. You can do... Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. It just depends on where your motivation for that is coming from. If it's coming from, well, this makes sense. My character experienced this in the last thing we did. <coughs> I want to train up on that. That's more story-based or character-based. But if it's metagamey, like, oh, well, I want to get better at firearms. 
I didn't really fire anything the last game, but that's fine. I'm going to do it anyway. I thought, you know what? If you let, let's say we're playing Traveler. Yeah. And uh, you you guys are getting a fight somewhere, and your ship gets damaged, and you try to help help out someone with a damage control mm-hmm. or something, and you like make it worse. You you just totally yeah. fumble. It's like that. I could totally see that character saying, "You know what? The next three weeks in jump space." I'm going to learn how to fix this ship. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. And right? that's story-driven. Well, yeah, yes, that's true. You yeah. know, there are tons of people that get good at shooting without being in a war, though. Mm-hmm. You know? What? So, like, if a character, if part of, like, the character's backstory, or what the character is going through personally, makes that character go, I want to get better at guns, that still makes sense. You don't have to literally have people shoot at you in order to have enough motivation <laughs> no, to I, do something. I agree. I would use it as <laughs> Example, <coughs> but yeah, I just mean like, oh, it was a diplomatic mission. Everything went great. I'm learning how to shoot guns now because I want this character to learn how to shoot guns. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. What you're talking about is, is more applicable to like point by games, where it's like I have a bunch of experience points in my pool, mm-hmm. and we just got in a, we haven't gotten in a fight, but and I haven't done anything to justify it, but I'm going to put a bunch of points. Exactly. In guns. That's yeah. For me, that's the opposite end of the spectrum of using the story to dictate character advancement. Right. See, I can, but I can totally see a situation in which, like, say, there's a diplomat who goes on this thing. Everything was fine. Thank goodness. What if something doesn't next time? Well, I need to make sure that I'm up on my stuff because I've been told by people that this could have gone wrong. Right. You know, I mean, but, but the character's going to do something in the narrative to justify to justify it. that. Oh, they're yeah. gonna, they're like, gonna go, so I'm going to go to a range. newspapers or, or yeah. whatever. Right. Exactly. You know, you you have to have. Yeah. I mean, you're you're going to do something, but you, see, I, you don't have to have. I like, think that's the assumption. Is yeah. That there's a lot of people that, that are like, won't. I'm putting points in this. I'm putting points in who does cartography. <laughs> yeah, How many maps have you worked on? None. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to start by <coughs> mapping this ship. <laughs> uh, Pacing oh. down the hallway. <laughs> oh. Ten steps to the loo. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're being an accountant. Yeah. Right. Really, who's on the $10,000 bill? Wilson? Uh, all of them. People use paper money? What? Is it Wilson? Uh-huh. We have a ten thousand dollar bill. There used to be a ten thousand dollar banknote. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, real quickly. Uh, this is critically important. Okay. Uh, Eritrea, El Salvador, East Timor, Ecuadorial uh, Guinea, and Egypt are the other ones we didn't mention. Hmm. Ah, very nice. <laughs> See, if I had time to go through the nations of the world by Yako Warner, I could have gotten there. But you know, we're on a timetable. Mm. Exactly. All right. Uh, thank you very much there for the email, Andreas from Se. <laughs> Uh, response to D&D classes from Ryan in Rocket City, which we looked up and that we believe that's Huntsville, Alabama. And it's yes. not what we it's would call... It's in the email. Yeah. Oh, it is? Uh, yeah. Okay, I didn't read the email. The minute you said it, I'm like, oh, that's right, that's in the email. Did you- I usually skip the first couple of paragraphs and get into the... Well, yeah, there are no quotation marks. Right. Did, did, <laughs> did you guys know that Arugula is called Rocket elsewhere? <coughs> really, this is Arugula City. Arugula is called Rocket? Yeah. Why? Like it, in uh, another language or something? No, I, I think in England it's called Rocket. It's just we're the only weirdos who say arugula. You talking about the plant? Yeah, the, the plant. Leafy. Yeah, it's called rocket. That's so rocket. I've never heard of. I've never heard <laughs> of that. Yeah. So, so there needs to be a team arugula now. If there's a team rocket, yeah, yeah, here, but only here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we call vegans. <laughs> team arugula. <laughs> no, that means team kale. <laughs> A kale's punishment. Yeah. <laughs> I've been bad. I'm going to eat kale. 
<laughs> it tried to grow uh, kale out of EJ once, and it got annihilated by ants. Were the only plant that got like completely covered See, with them. See, ants Act of God. And so, yeah, it's like, well, I guess we can't. Man, what a shame. Ants have low self-esteem. That's why they deserve to eat kale. <laughs> They're crying while they eat it. All right, we should probably read this very okay. long email. All right, who would like to read this very long email? Not it. From <sighs> Ryan in Rocket City. Do you want to split it, Kimmy? Joey. No, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to talk about DD classes. I promise I did not ghostwrite this, Uh, even though I agree with the entire thing. I feel like you should definitely read it. I'll split it with you. I I can read it. I feel like Joey has the panache to pull off a little bit. He's got the chops. He's got it. No, he's on vocal rest. Oh. He's got solos and descants to sing tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You read half of it. Okay, I'll read half of it. (laughs) Greetings, happy Jack Folk. I have been listening since season six or so and haven't felt compelled to write in until the recent discussion of D&D and its classism. I come from Huntsville, Alabama, the home of D&D Beyond, and know several people who work on the project, so I admit I may have some personal bias. What, okay, what's D&D Beyond? It's the computer. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, it's their okay. website with all the stuff. Yeah. Got it. All right. uh, I could go on far too long and probably will, but I'll try to maintain some degree of brevity. Yeah, you kind of missed the mark. You failed. Uh, these okay. points are directly primarily at Stu and Tappy's comments and criticisms from Season 24, Episode 8, some of which I feel are coming from a place of quite possibly willful, uh, given their feelings on D&D as a whole, ignorance of D&D 5e and its nuances. How dare you, sir? Go ahead. I Go do, on. You. <laughs> I, I do respect your actual clear citation of which episode you're upset. Yeah, right. I appreciate that. Well Ryan, done. I love you and I appreciate you. Um... <laughs> Note the first regarding the notion that you should have you should be able to play a weird non-traditional character at first level. On a basic level, you can. You want to be a persuasive bardian? Bardian? Barbarian? I can read. That would be a bardian. The bardian. There no, you go. No, no, no. <laughs> it's me and I'm a barbarian, thank you. Barbarian. Yes, thank you. This is my <laughs> life class. Simply bump up that charisma and select an appropriate talkie background, such as charlatan, entertainer, or noble for training in some social skills. If those options don't really fit your character concept, then make a background of your own as laid out in the player's handbook. There's a surprising amount of potential for subversion simply through your choice of background, and it's one of my favorite aspects of the system. Oh, man, staying quiet throughout this entire thing is going to be so hard. Thank you, do, Shelby. Do it. As for playing a more developed character, such as a barbarian warlock described by Tappy, then you've already found the appropriate solution. Beginning play at a higher level than first. The player's handbook has some notes in regards to the meaning of character level. Starting off at first level marks your character's entry into the adventuring life. You should not be able to play a character with that much nuance at first level, because that is simply not what first level means in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. At level 1, you are not a Jedi Knight. You are a farm boy who has lost his family and chosen to leave home with a strange old hermit from the neighboring dune, knowing next to nothing about his strange religion or how to use your father's old laser sword. At level 1, you aren't the newest member of the Avengers. You're a high school boy who doesn't yet understand what's happening to his body after that odd spider bit him yesterday. 5e specifically breaks the game down into four separate tiers of play, noting that characters don't really come into their own until the second tier beginning at level 5, the same level as Tappy's Barbarian. Do you want to play huh. a character who has... Weird. Do you want <laughs> I wonder to how I got there. <laughs> do you want to play a character who has to come to understand and use their abilities in fun and unique ways? Don't start the game at first level. I know that my own gaming groups rarely do, and somewhere from 3 to 5 is a good starting point if you want to begin to play as a proper hero. I agree 110%. I don't think... Do we say anything like that? 
Point the second. No, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Mm. Point the second. On playing a face character who isn't a bard and doesn't use spells. Is there a specific class for this? No. Can you still make this type of character? Yes. The Inquisitive and Mastermind subclasses of the Rogue are particularly good fits for this type of character, giving additional non-attack options in combat, and coupled with an appropriate background, providing training in potentially every social skill in the game, and additional features such as access to a network of contacts in any city you might happen to visit. There's a reason they aren't just called thieves anymore. There are even some fighter subclasses that could work for you, such as Battle Master or the Purple Dragon Knight. <coughs> the former gives access to maneuvers such as Rally, Maneuvering Attack, and Commander Strike that allow you to act more as a charismatic leader than a frontline warrior. I'm sorry, what, what is a Purple Dragon Knight? It's part of the... <laughs> it's part of the mythos of D&D. Actually, I'm not familiar with them in okay. 5e, but in 3.5, they were a pretty high up there oh, percentage I don't want to see its breath okay. attack. <laughs> I just like purple a lot. Oh, it's a thing. No, no. The latter gives you some capacity <laughs> to heal your comrades, as well as training in persuasion and a double proficiency bonus for any check you make that utilizes persuasion. Thought the third on subverting tropes in general. This is more of a personal preference, but I honestly find that searching for interesting rules combinations in a restricted system is much more engaging and satisfying in terms of building unusual characters or playing against type. If a system gives me complete freedom, that's great. However, I don't nearly get as much satisfaction as I do when I just find the right combination of subclasses and spells to build a wizard with the potential to rock an armor class of 21 while making the same number of melee attacks per round as the fighter and still chucking around those flashy fireballs and lightning bolts to boot. Next to a proper blade singer, Gandalf is a chump. The fact that archetypes such as the squishy wizard exists are largely enforced by the rules making the epiphany of finding just the right spell, race, or feat combination to buck those trends that make much more rewarding. Um, or, yeah. That much that, more yeah, there you go. <clears throat> and thus, and those moments when you reveal your character's full potential at the table often become lasting game night memories. Anyway, sorry for any rambling. Uh, we all tend to fumble a bit our first time, right? Aww. Aww. You were very good. I like you. Come back. <laughs> You're welcome to dislike the system anyways, of course. Despite my own ties to Dungeons & Dragons, it isn't unusual my first game of choice, um, but I would still hate for a newcomer to the hobby to take an idea to heart that fundamentally comes from a place of ignorance. Thanks for all that you do for the hobby and for the people in it who might otherwise struggle to be heard over the din of old white fat beards. Tappy, you're an old white fat beard. Congratulations. P.S. Drink. P.P.S. Also remember that in most aspects of life, other than alcohol, of course, moderation is key. Game the system and build the world's finest murder mancer if you want, but don't forget to share the spotlight. Sometimes that haste spell you prepared is better spent on the paladin besides you uh, who just ate a critical hit from a death knight so he can savor the pleasure of smiting the undead bastard from full HP uh, to a smoking crater in a single turn. Your buddy will never forget the moment and you'll have your toys back after the next extended rest anyway. Cheers. So well, the, the, he's got a point about the backgrounds, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what well, I mean. The, the, and y- there are backgrounds in the book where you, lo- when you look, read through, and say, "Okay, this would be a good background for a fighter. This would be a good background mm-hmm. for a cleric, obviously." Mm-hmm. But there's nothing saying that you can't oh, yeah. not well, take those. It's absolutely right. Now, one of the things though about the backgrounds is they. Def- oh my god! Can you put that away? <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I'm very distractible. <laughs> I know. Do you know how ADHD I am? I know. I do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm waving a shade fan at Tappy. You want me to put it in my desk drawer? No. Okay. <laughs> you can't pull um, that move on me. I own that move. Like, uh, the the backgrounds give you, like, flavor your character and stuff, and that's one thing that we, we talked about and is... skills. ...is flavor and skill, right? But when you're talking about D&D, mm-hmm. specifically... The game is Dungeons and Dragons. It's about going in at, at the very end of the day. It's about going into dungeons and slaying dragons. Yes, it's killing stuff, uh, killing things, and taking their stuff is how is it's been the, the basic way. Yes, you can do other things with it. Right, it is the origin. But that is the origin. Of it. That is what you do. You and certainly, at, and certainly, what the rule set reinforces. Yeah. If you look at the skills that you get, if you look at the powers you get as you increase, you get things like rally, maneuvering, attack, and commander strike. You're not getting, like, hang out with your buddies or, you know, a, a special power to, you know, do better banking or things like that. Like, these are, these are specifically for going into battle, okay. right? Every, all, all classes go into battle, mm-hmm. yes. right? Okay. And that's what the game's about. That's what the right. game's it's about. Not, that's why, I mean, you, you can take GURPS and make an accountant, a damn good accountant who can't do anything but accounting. Mm-hmm. You can totally make that character in that game. Right, right. If Where's, you want to run a game about accounting, well, and but you can you could make one of those and play it in a battle game and do nothing. Whereas D and D, all of the characters can do battle. Right, right. That's that's one of the they're good things about it. They're going on an adventure. Right, right. They are adventurers. So, like your background gives you flavor to your adventure, but how you adventure, what you do while you're adventuring, mm-hmm. has to do with your class. Right, like if you're a paladin, you're healing people. If you're a thief, you are not healing people with your thief powers, right? Um, so when you're talking about how characters play, mm-hmm. we're talking about classes. We're not talking about backgrounds. But backgrounds give you skills, and those are things you can use. But the thief, there's no background for a thief to be able to do a paladin heal. Right, but I no. think there. I so think you can't separate the two. No, no, no. But that's what it, when when I'm talking you can about play a paladin how, with a charlatan background. Yes, you can absolutely absolutely do that. But if you're not playing a paladin, a background won't give you paladin powers, right? A background won't play you, won't uh, will modify like that's the not class what backgrounds you're doing. are for. That's what the class is for. I know. So okay. so that is what I'm establishing here. Is okay. backgrounds doesn't don't change your class, don't give you things outside of your class. They are Except like possibly skills. They do give you they skills. Give you, yeah. yeah, they do skills. Yes. Um, but tools, skills, and tools, and stuff like that are not your. As you progress, the powers you get are much more than that. They right uh, because a skill gives you getting a skill gives you your perf- proficiency bonus to doing that thing. Right, and your proficiency bonus goes up as you level. Right, so like you get a couple skills, right, and those can be significant, but not as significant as your class. Your class is very significant for your character and what your character can do in the game. Yes? It would, again, depend on what character you're building. If you're building a road, your skills are just as important as what's happening on the battlefield. But that's that's built into the character still. You have more skills than other people, right? No, actually you don't. You get almost the same amount of skills. You might have one or two more. Well, that's significant when you're only getting, like, you know, what, four? Two to four? So... We're still talking about, like, basically what I'm trying to establish here is the idea that classes are, are extremely significant, mm-hmm. whereas other things that, that modify them, modify them slightly. It, it is a centrally defining 
attribute of the character right. is their class. Sure. I, right. I don't think anyone would. But I still think the, same, the this, background is too. It's no, it doesn't. I would, I would absolutely say it definitely gives flavor to a class, but it is not a different meat. There are only two places you gain skills in Five E. One of them is your race. No, one of them is your class, and one of them is your background. Your background. Yeah, unless you are like a half elf or something, because half elves give you two extra skills. Yes. Oh yeah, ignorance. Um, <laughs> so, same thing with with your your attributes. You can establish whatever fuck attributes you want to, <coughs> but your right. class determines what you need to have high ones in. Yeah. Right. If you have, if you're making, you absolutely can, if you want to, make a wizard with a low intelligence. Fuck yeah, you can. It's gonna you're suck. Gonna make a shitty yeah, wizard. Yeah, you're a shitty wizard. <laughs> but so, like, in this first thing we're talking about, you can make a weird thing. Yeah, you can totally screw yourself over, or you can make you can make a wizard that's a charlatan wizard. Cool, that definitely changes how you roleplay the character. But it and what they're able to do though with a couple skills. Yeah, but it's that doesn't. It's not nearly as much being able to cast a ninth level it, spell. It may not be as significant, but that I mean, in certain situations in a game, that can be significant. Okay. If he has a charlatan background and suddenly your wizard can break into places. Okay. That's going to be a very different game than, uh, like, I'm, otherwise. What, you're, what I'm hearing is an edge case compared to what you're going to be doing all the time in a game based on battle. Well, I guess because my roleplay experiences with D&D, for the most part, especially the last few years, haven't been on 100% about battle. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. we'd have to have to take a survey to really know how people play it. But yeah. But I, I, would, I would bet that a Bria's game here... Where they spent more time talking their way out of fights than actually is fighting ever, something yeah. is probably the exception. I would, I would agree. I would guess. Right, but I didn't play that game. I'm not talking. I'm talking about the two games you ran. I'm talking about oh, the I, game. Yeah, but I don't. Right, and I, I'm talking I about hate, the game Jason I hate ran. D and D combat. Right, but a lot of people do. When you but, play with a GM who hates the game <laughs> he's running, no. you're not going to see much of the things that make that game the what it is. Right, but I'm saying that <laughs> I think there's a there, I, well, yes, I think a lot of people do do combats. I think those skills, though, depending on what they are from the background, can really change oh, no, the course no. of things. I mean, I think I would say I think it's safe to say that most of those skills. Are the mm. are the mechanics that are going to take place outside of com- combat yeah, primarily? Absolutely, yeah. but they can still have a big influence on how the game goes. Absolutely, yes, sure. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, in- narratively, absolutely. If you're talking no about like 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 Tappy, you're 100 percent right. If you're talking about their effectiveness in combat, and if that and if that is your definition of D and D, which like it's it but, is for a lot of people, uh, see, then that's it, acceptable. It, it, and that's remember, right. You got to remember, he started with the premise of. This game primarily is about combat. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you uh, accept that assumption, or if you, you just give that assumption, then, yes, your class is more important than anything else. Yeah, sure. Be- when, it, when you're in combat. Yeah. And, that, and, that, uh, and I would propose that is how this game is most often played. Yes. You can, like you said, make it so that having more skills is more important than what your class actually does. Mm-hmm. You can do that, but... I don't think that that is how this game is typically played. It's typically played as adventures, going on adventures, slaying dragons mm-hmm. in dungeons. Right. Okay. I do okay, think. So- yeah. Good. No. Well, I was going to move on to the next thing. No. Oh. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say. I think the trend is slowly pulling away from that, though. I think if you'd, especially when we started this podcast ten years ago, if you'd done a survey of people playing D anD D, then one hundred percent, I'd be like, yeah, I think combat's the most 
the thing that that it takes up probably ninety percent of gameplay. I think as other games are starting to come into vogue, I think people are starting to pull away from that more. I think as people are seeing, like we talked about on a recent show, actual plays and their effect on the hobby. I think pe- as people are seeing more role playing happening. I don't think it's ever going to like take out combat from D&D. That's not the purpose of D&D. But I do think we are getting more situations where those background skills can be kind of game changers and really change the course of things as people are trying more of the role play t- part of D&D. I wouldn't say half because it's not even half, but a big por- portion. Of I it. and I think the 5th edition, the changes that were made in 5th edition reinforced yeah. that direction. Although they've got a long way to go yeah. to become a real narrative yeah. game, yeah. but I mean, how much time in the book is based on classes and combat as oh, yeah. compared to 100%. backgrounds? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's not. Right. I'm not saying it's not the the most significant part, especially when you're talking about straight um, effectiveness in combat. But I do think that you know there is a point to as the hobby is slightly changing, as the as the focus of the hobby is changing, even with D and um, like the backgrounds, even those little skills that may not be as big as like the paladin with their awesome heels, like the paladin with their charlatan background might be able to so do some crazy stuff that on. they wouldn't so, be able to do otherwise. So the, the defense of classes is that classes don't matter. No. So I'm, classes do matter. I'm talking about your points a second ago that backgrounds don't matter. No, I'm not saying that. I never said backgrounds don't matter. Okay. I said they don't, don't matter, matter as much. nearly as much. Right. <clears throat> okay. They absolutely matter for how you play a game or how you play your character, and, uh, like, the kind of stuff you can do, like, outside of combat. Okay. Um, but when it comes to D&D, again, like, either classes matter a lot for your character, or they don't. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they do matter a lot. And that's why I get frustrated in playing a class system that really rewards you for playing the type. And that's kind of what my gripe about it is all about. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? And, and building your character a specific way, depending on the class that you've chosen. Exactly. Because there are, there, are, there are, I think there's probably quite a few people who think that there is a wrong way to build a fighter. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and I, I've played in those games. And actually, what kind of turned me off in D&D for a long time was I was in a game of 3.5 with some friends that I played with for, for years. And I realized when we moved into 3.5 and after playing with them for a while that I needed to learn how to min-max or my characters were not going to survive. Right. Because they were spending their time <coughs> figuring things out. Oh, well, if I take this weird race and I multi-class three times, take this prestige class and use this weapon, and then I'm going to be the most optimal. And that wasn't my kind of D&D. It was their D&D, not my kind of D&D. Sure. Um, so, yes, there is, there is a thing where you want to optimize your character to the max, and that is how some people play the game. Yeah. I think I can be saying that's becoming less and less frequent, and I think that things like backgrounds is really um, <coughs> allowing people to explore different aspects of the game other than just how can I make my character the most BAMP character. Right. Mm. Um, so I want to move on to the... That was one <laughs> paragraph. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is that we start saying, talking about like starting out at fifth level or higher. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, that's what we talked about. I think like, I think we mentioned that. Starting starting higher level would be great. Um, but one of the reasons why I want to make something like a barbarian warlock is that I I the idea that barbarians are are a defined thing that everybody knows what it is as opposed to people thinking they're a barbarian 
you know, or like I don't know what you mean. I feel it's like uh, kind of like Dor, where Dor is oh, like, okay. I'm a cleric because I can do a magicy thing and I believe in this god. No, you're not a cleric, right? Mechanically, but in the game, believes a cleric. Everybody believes is a cleric. That's and so that I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, like starting out first level with like a cleric sounded boring. Right. And so yeah, starting fifth level, I, we actually we, we talked about I think, that. I think I think we may have mentioned. You know, that. I think we I ran a game where we started at third or. Someone ran a game in our circle, mm-hmm. ran, starting at third. Or was it you that ran? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, a fourth edition game, we started at third level or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm mm-hmm. ever playing a game in D and D, we're starting at first level. We're gonna have a talk. <laughs> right. There's no reason to start at first level. No. So, so go out and kill rats. I mean, that's kind of like my point: is the why does it exist? Because it exists like, because some people like having that long progression. Some people like having their character from the ground level to really understand how their character is going to work. And it's great for a new GM. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want them to go kill rats, to get my feet wet, right. and figure out what my what my setting is and who these people yeah, are. The first edition, first level is kind of like learning mode. Yeah, yeah. it's the tutorial. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in it's, most MMOs, you start at level one of the tutorial. By the time you're out of the tutorial, level three or five. Yeah. Right. After you kill a bunch of rats, the, right? The exactly. Yeah, but that's fine because yeah. you're figuring out how the game works. Like that is that is not interesting to me at all <laughs> to now, do anything. Below. Your idea for a barbarian. A, uh, warlock. warlock who thinks he's a cleric in my head <coughs> just plotting the character based on what I know about D&D 5e why not do a warlock with a book of shadows pact with the background of hermit who thinks his pact <coughs> is with the god uh, because there's a different pack and take in the something or another book to everything where you actually can heal people um, and then as a barbarian then you can actually uh, with a warlock uh, get when you kill or no, that's a different one. You can get uh, extra like temporary HP on you, so you can run into like combat, go blah 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 blah, and be healing people with that because it's all crazy barbarian nonsense. Okay, so if you start at level one though, and you start with the warlock, and then want to multi-class into that barbarian, so you can then couple them together. How is that not an option for you? Uh, because either I have to wait a long ass time to do that. Or there has to be the caveat that we are not starting at first level. Well, you're also waiting a long ass time to do that because a lot of characters who aren't going to multi-class can't necessarily do that. So you have to be on the same power level. So, I, okay. Well, I, no, no, no. Of, of, of course you're going to be on. We're going to be the same level. All the characters are going to be the same level. So if we all start at first level, I don't get to play the character that I want to play until, and then I have, I have to wait. However many sessions until I get to play well, that. Well, technically, neither does the fighter, who at that point can only swing a sword every round. There's not enough alcohol in the world for I'm this conversation. Completely <laughs> not interested in playing that either. But someone else at your table might be. Okay, so the thing is, like, I can go to a different table. So the complaint is, and the basic problem is, you can't make an interesting, weird, less than peak design character who's still just as effective as a peak character. Yeah. But I think that you hit the head I, nail on the head there. But isn't that like kind of like real life? No. Yeah. No. But I think you can totally be a weirdo and be totally successful in ways that people don't. You expect. can, but not <laughs> in ways that people don't expect. But like, if I'm rolling up a character who I, you know, it, like, okay, we're playing, we're playing the game of real life here. And I'm like, Whoa, okay, this is dangerous. This is ba- yeah, Boy, this is this is all right. And I decide, strap in, buckos. <laughs> I decide I want to make a basketball player, a professional mm-hmm. basketball player. Mm-hmm. But I decide to make myself me, who's a five eight white girl. 
like that's I'm not gonna like no matter what I'm not gonna be as successful as other people at basketball because I'm shorter than they are because I don't have running abilities because running what, is awful. What, what does and, that have to do? That's that's fine. Like if right. you're a basketball player is like a class, and if you can't do that right. because of how so, your character's no. made and do other things as well, that's cool. That's fine. Right. Like, what's the matter with that? that has n- there's <laughs> nothing. nothing that's my that. point. There's not. That's not. There's no problem with that. But because I've made myself a weirdo who's not the peak thing for my class, you're a is, shitty basketball. I'm player. a bad basketball player. Cool. Mm-hmm. So as you're saying, like I want to make you know, I want to be able to make this weirdo. You're kind of making his point for him right now. No, yeah, you kind of are. Yeah, if you want to make a weirdo, you're you're not going to be a. What he, I think what I'm saying that's like real life. If you make suboptimal like builds, you're going to be suboptimal, and that's realistic. Like you shouldn't expect to make a suboptimal build so, and be just as effective someone well, who makes like the perfect build. So what you're saying is there's only one way to be like a professional athlete or be a professional basketball player. Okay, well, professional athlete is different <laughs> than professional basketball player because athlete has a much broader range. But yeah, those are two different the things. Thing. Golf. You can make bowling. <laughs> you can make curling. <laughs> curling, yeah. No, but yeah, okay, like like right now, what you're doing is you're you're choosing a very specific thing that has a very specific goal. Yes, if I wanted to make a character who is a basketball player and I wanted to make the best basketball player I possibly could, yeah. there'd be a specific way I have to do that. Right. And I don't want to do that. Because I don't want to play great. a basketball player. That's great. Then I want to play something weird, not a basketball player. Because a basketball player isn't a weird thing. Right, but you can do that in <laughs> D&D. That's what I'm saying, is you make... Like, you... the whole. I just said that the whole problem was is that you make a suboptimal build, but you nope. want them to be as... Op, they, you want them to be as effective as an optimal nope. thing. That is not what I'm saying at all. It has but, nothing to do with optimization whatsoever. Didn't it I has just to do say that a minute ago and you said that was right? No, no, no. It has nothing to do with being optimal. It has to do As with effective. play style. Right. The type of style that I can play. If I only have barbarian powers, oh, I can only do barbarian things. An analogy. What Tappy's saying is, okay, everyone is making basketball players, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. And the game is a basketball game. Yes. So everyone's building their characters to play, to play in the basketball game. Right. Tappy wants to build football player. Yeah. But he's still got to play in a basketball game. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So he'd be a great football player, but the way that the game is played, right. it's basketball. Right, but then he chose to make a football why player. Why not you know save that character concept when we're playing a football game? Right, like he knows that the oh, point of could. the game. Like you know you're playing a basketball game. So if you choose to make the football player, like you're making those choices. You can make a football player. And, but you shouldn't expect to be like, oh, I'm going to sit down and keep up with the basketball. I player. think this has gotten away from me a little bit <laughs> because more wine will help. Because yeah, more wine will help. Here's like, hoping. Later on, with multiclassing and stuff, mm-hmm. I can get the character I want. Right. Who can be super fucking optimal? Like, uh, I, I, the build that I was really looking at for the uh, uh, Barbarian Warlock has an AC of 22 mm-hmm. and can cast a spell to make people have disadvantage while attacking. Okay. So, I can be like a cool tank, mm-hmm. but a different kind of tank than a fighter or a paladin. Sure. I can move really fast, I got that unarmed un- movement, or I can choose to uh, make a reckless attack, which would drop uh, it from uh, people having disadvantage 
uh, for attacking me to just regular, while I get advantage attacking them. So there's a lot of like movement and play and stuff like that. It's really like a fun, interesting character. Mm-hmm. I just can't do that within like at first level, and I really have to massage that shit to make it work within a class system. And I think it would be great if people could make interesting choices with their character for how you move within that realm of D&D that is often played called combat. That your class is really kind of set for how you're going to play that. So you want to be able to do all those things you said at level one? No. Right. Not nope, nope. Let's nope, just move nope, on to nope, the next paragraph. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. See, that's the thing. Like people keep I, thinking, oh, I want to be more powerful. It has nothing to be more powerful. It is I want to do interesting, neat things that I've come up with. And you can. It's just going to take some advancement. I think we're just going to keep uh, going yeah, in circles right, with this. Right, like we right. haven't resolved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like what he says here. For mm-hmm. like at the end, is like, oh, I can build this really cool thing that can do really weird stuff. Yes. You can do that, and that's awesome. I just wish you could do that at character creation. And that's the problem with... Very succinct. I liked that, Tappy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ten-year murder hobo from McWorm. All right. Or McVen. McVen. I am uh, 15 school days from the end of the school year. I will read about the ten-year-old murder hobos. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, fair jackers. I've been listening to your podcast for possibly a couple of years. This is the first time I've emailed. Possibly. Thank you. Possibly a couple of years. It's hard to keep track with all the alcohol. He's in a ship that's approaching the speed of light, so he doesn't quite remember how long it's been. Yeah. (laughs) Or how long it has been for us. (laughs) All right. After putting RPGs on pause for several years, I started running games for my two children. Excellent. Seven and ten. This is a lot of fun, but the age difference, yes. (laughs) And the limited number of players was somewhat limiting. More recently, I've started running a game for a small group of 10-year-olds, including my oldest son. I've never previously GM'd. My experience as a player is limited entirely to D&D. I've been running Fate games with my kids for a couple years. For the, uh, for the group, I'm running a pretty simple pirate-themed adventure using Fate, with a heavy dose of SOTC. Uh, aside from my son, none of the kids have ever played a tabletop RPG. We have so far done two sessions, two very, very positive reviews. It's fun, and the kids report they're having a lot of fun, but here, uh, but there's been a persistent and, to me, quite unexpected problem that I'd like your advice on. Ten-year-olds are going to kill things. That's my advice to you. Okay. Sorry. Uh, My pirate adventure takes place on an island, and after a bit of deliberation, I figured I'd start the first session with the party arriving by boat to a nearby port city where they could get their bearings and do a little bit of low-stakes role-play before finding the location of the island and making their way there. What could go wrong? Well, upon getting off the boat in town, one of the kids decided that a way to discover their location, the location of their objective, would be to pry open random crates and barrels that were sitting on the dock. I had local law enforcement come over and tell them to knock it off. And, over the objections of the other characters, he had his character attack the local law enforcement. Ah, yeah. I'm not at all sure. <laughs> That's a 10-year-old playing a role-playing game. <laughs> also, maybe a 15-year-old playing a role-playing game. Uh, uh, or some 20-year-old. This kid's name is Edgar, right? Yes. Yeah. And some, and some 50-year-old. Edgar. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm not at all sure I handled this first incident correctly. The situation escalated when it became clear the party was going to have to fight the entire island or commandeer a ship and flee, and I asked them how they wanted the scene to resolve. 
There was an overwhelming consensus that they'd like to find some sort of peaceful peaceful resolution, so I talked it through with them. It wasn't terribly convincing. Uh, In the fighting, a fire broke out, and while the party pitched in to save the rest of the town to... uh, the town to fight the fire, they generated enough goodwill to defuse the situation. I didn't love it, but let's move on, and the kids seemed to buy it. The rest of the session passed without significant incidents, but this unprompted fight burned up something like half of our (laughs) playtime. It bugged me, but all the kids said they'd had a great time, so I didn't figure it was that big a deal. Probably the kid was just getting used to role-playing and wanted to try out combat, right? I had plenty of time to prep for the next session, and since uh, very little in-game time had passed since the incident on the dock, I figured I would have a law enforcement response be part of the action for the second session. The sheriff would bring them all to his office and dress them down. He was going to be keeping a close eye on them, and there'd better be no more funny business. This would provide a bit of drama and an opportunity to role-play, and some measure of consequences uh, for the party's actions. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) In game, the second session opener uh, on the end. He sent them to the principal's office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. but they're in a game where they have weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and haven't grown their souls yet. Yes. Right. <laughs> oh man, I prompted them to figure out arrangements for spending the night. They chose a tavern near the docks, and then they suggest, uh, and then suggested they work out the course of action for the next day. And after they deliberated for a few minutes, I, I interrupted them with the sheriff's men knocking on the doors bright and early the next morning, demanding they come speak with the sheriff. Well, that same kid who derailed the first session had his character attack the sheriff's men. This time, I'd sadded them out. <laughs> and I had enough of them on the scene uh, that the fight did no, not go well at all for him. And in very little time, his character was sitting in a cell in the town jail. And in the next cell was a crusty old pirate who had vital information, and this old pirate wanted to talk. It had all worked out, except the kid insisted that his character would do nothing but sit in his cell, and he wouldn't talk to the pirate, and he rebuffed repeated efforts to be engaged well, in game Well, of course. He's a ten-year-old. He I'm just shocked he didn't try to stab the pirate. Yeah. He was put in timeout. <laughs> right, exactly. He's, 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 he's like... All petulant and mad. I had a kid, like today, because we're 15 days from being in the school, literally sit in the back of my class with his arm folded like this today, staring at me because I benched him at recess. So for five hours after recess, I get this with this little face, (laughs) just glaring at me. I even like, like we'd gotten past it and like, I'm like the nice teacher. We were doing singing today and all these things. Singing like this with his face scrunched up. Very angry that I took away his playtime at recess, even though he got lunchtime. It's very strange. They can hold on to things. Let you me probably you. can't do that, but when my, when my kids are being like really being shitty, mm-hmm. like really being shits, mm-hmm. I'd get up my phone and I start videotaping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed that, to do it. I, I figured you probably aren't. That yeah. ends it right there. Right. I get that's when they start coming after me with fists, but like whatever tantrum or whatever thing that they were throwing. As yeah. soon as I've got a video camera on them, they're like... Right. <laughs> Suddenly very reasonable. <laughs> I, I could probably pretend to video yeah. I'm taking this video for your mom so you can see your face right now. That would I, not be... Uh, no, uh, I don't do we, uh, <laughs> we used to call that mad-dogging back in the day. Mad-dogging, right. yeah. yeah. I did that to get a jury duty. Oh, yeah? yeah. You're just mad-dogging? You have a scary yeah. face. You just pick you one that. of the lawyers and you just... <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> Whole time. <laughs> it looks look to me like you're just holding your breath until you turn purple. 
Yeah, uh, just clarifying for the <coughs> chat when I say I benched him at recess, it was not bench pressing. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too, but not with students. Yeah, it's more like <laughs> not heavy enough. <laughs> yeah, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it, it takes like two or three yeah. in the bar. You can curl them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, here you go. <laughs> All right, guys. You were talking during class. Okay, sorry, we'll continue. They were a pair of dumbbells. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so uh, he wouldn't talk with the pirate, and. Oh, so yeah, he refused. So the rest of the kids reacted to this with a fair bit of exasperation. But they did spend the entire session attempting to spring his character from jail. That's very nice of them. <laughs> <So nice>. mm-hmm. <laughs> but by the end of it, they had attacked the sheriff's men multiple times and are all essentially on the lam. I'm really not at all sure how to salvage this scenario or if it's even possible. I should probably also add that this kid is pretty disruptive out of games as well. He acts out physically in a variety of ways. He monopolizes game time or tries to with lengthy, lengthy, irrelevant rants. He makes himself disagreeable in a number of ways. I do believe that he attack, they attack, he attacks things only when he's, uh, the, is the only way he's interacted with anything in game. This is stark contrast to all the other kids I've played with so far, who are clever, engaged, inventive, and prepared to roleplay. It has been quite amazing how awesome these kids are. At your recommendation, I've been recording my sessions, and on review, it's pretty clear that the other kids at the table object to these in-game disruptions as much as I do. It's definitely making sessions less enjoyable for me. I feel that something has to be done. Can you recommend a way forward? There's plenty of ink spilled on how to handle problem players, but none of it seems to be especially relevant to 10-year-olds. Have any of you had to deal with a situation like this? No, I've never dealt with problem 10-year-olds. Just ghost him. (laughs) Ghost him. Move and don't tell him where your house is. Is he one of this guy's kids? No, no. I thought he was no, a friend. Then just duct yeah. tape him to the ceiling. <laughs> don't get the parents no. consent for yeah. that. Are there special considerations to keep in mind? He may have a, he may have an, a, an adhesive allergy. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Also, in your experience, wear long sleeve shirts. Also, in your experience, is the murder hobo tendency just ingrained? I thought it was learned behavior shaped by game mechanics and RPG culture. I was absolutely not expecting no. it to show up in my kids' game. No. Thanks, McWorm. Um, <laughs> it is not D&D's fault that people are murder hobos. No. no. <laughs> I have run a game for my stepson when he was 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, uh, and uh, we played... We actually played Rifts. Wow. Uh-huh. And so he was playing this b- b- broken character because... He's a ten-year-old. He wants to kill shit. Right. And went around just having, like, a fun time kicking the shit out of every living right. thing that he came across in the multiverse. You should have made a glitter awesome. boy. Oh, no. He kicked the ever-living shit out of a glitter boy. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was a machine person had something like 1,200 MDC just <laughs> by himself and could heal. Oh, excellent. Um, and, other, and other crazy bullshit. It was, it was insane. Uh, my question is, for, for, for this guy, and I don't think he really says it in the email... Is have there been co- combats yet? Because if there haven't, I don't know if he's had to plan them. It seems like this character. Well, no, no, but I mean, it, it, kids playing an adventure, and he's playing, you know, in, in the theater of the imagination, and he's got a sword. He wants to use it. Mm-hmm. Give him mm-hmm. something to use it on, or he's going to use it on town guards. <laughs> and also, maybe less authority figures, like. Kids right. have to deal with authority figures a lot. They're bitches, man. <laughs> right? Sorry. And so they have to do what everybody tells them to do. All the right. All they have to do what their parents tell them to do. They have to do what their teachers tell them to do. In this game, finally, they don't have to do what anybody tells them RPGs to do. RPGs are an empowerment fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So? Have them go. Have them 
like that's that's perfect. Like have them on a pirate island that doesn't have a law, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they could they could end up becoming pirate kings. Yeah, and they might be really nice to everybody. Yeah. Like <laughs> like if I've heard it is a glorious thing to be a pirate. King. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> Hooray! Well yes. done. Hurrah! Well, for you the also. Pirate king. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to use my master's degree okay, a bit now. Okay, so <laughs> you really have to like think about the like kids have different levels of what we call emotional intelligence, and that's vastly different from kid to kid based on their experiences in life, what their home life is like. Like if you know, some of us come from homes where we talk about feelings a lot, so we're really in touch with our feelings. Some of us have had big emotional things happen in our life, so we had to deal with emotions, even if it wasn't something we talked about. Some kids don't have serious conversations with anyone in their families like that's a lot of my students their parents like interact with them and feed them but they never like have deeper conversations they're like well what do you think of that i have kids who show up in my class in fourth grade they're nine and ten no one's ever asked them why do you think that no one's ever cared um and which is sad and especially you add to that the layer of video games and online culture so we have actually a, a bunch of kids nowadays who most of their interactions or most of their observation of humanity is YouTubers. Right. Oof. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, and so they get this very one-sided um, view of humanity. Like, they love these YouTubers and they feel like these YouTubers are, like, great, but they don't really get the, the two-person reciprocal conversation from that. So a lot of them don't know how to have conversations like right. that. So, you know, and that's really sad, but they also eventually grow up and become adults who a lot of times don't have those skills either. Um, you know, and so he's probably played a ton of video games where the answer is always kill the thing. Right. So he's had this, like, been rewarded over and over again in his favorite games, probably in Fortnite, for just bashing the thing. Unless he builds things in Fortnite, they do that too and they do the floss. But they, um, <laughs> I don't think they build things anymore. They just, like, did the PUBG thing. I don't know. I haven't seen my kids play it in a while. I'm not sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of going out of vogue. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing you have to take in, in consideration. It sounds like your son and a lot of his other friends um, have that high emotional intelligence that they've had at least somebody t- talking and having that those reciprocal conversations with them. Um, this kid may not have that. Right. So he may be completely... It's like sending him into you know a gunfight with nothing. Right. So, ready, go! Well, wh- why aren't you shooting back? Well, I have nothing... And I don't know how to do this. So he's resorting to what he knows, which is violence. Because mm-hmm. that's what TV and video games show him. Right. Um, and there's not a ton you can do with that. Because you're not going to fix his entire 10-year upbringing so far with an RPG. But RPGs do have great power to start teaching those lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would start off by giving him options. You don't have to do it with everybody. But think of his journey as a little bit more of a choose-your-own-adventure book. Like, hey, the town guards show up. Do you want to talk to them? Do you want to dance with them? Do you want to buy them a drink? Like, don't use those. Those are terrible examples because I can't think of anything good right now. But, like, give them three options, like a multiple-choice question rather than a (laughs) fill-in-a-blank-space answer. So, yeah. Instead of, like, I'm going to use my power drill on his knee. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's option four. That's yeah. option four. Yeah. You just let me do some of the page. You see that one? Yeah. Um, my piece of advice here, because it reminded me a bit of when I played in Mission and Bartable, the mm-hmm. game that Kadave and, and um, Stork ran at the con last year, almost two years ago. 
um, we got through the entire thing without a combat. Mm-hmm. We got we were all playing bars. We managed to talk and lie and sneak our way through the entire encounter without a single combat. There you? was no. I know. <laughs> this, this was my heaven. I was at a party of bards, and I picked the bardiest bard who ever barded. It was the best. Um, anyway, we had one one person at the table though who could not let this go without stabbing something. And so they let him on his way out. He snuck back into the castle and had a little rough and tumble with the guard, and the encounter was over. Mm-hmm. My advice would be maybe when you're planning your adventures and your encounters, maybe have a contingency for, okay, three of the four players are going to want to talk to this and try to or sneak around. Give him something to stab. Just, you know, mm-hmm. just give him something he can handle one-on-one. It'll, he'll get a fun moment out of it. It won't disrupt the play of the other players. And then when he's done, he can join the rest of the group. That'd be my, my one piece of advice that, for that. That sounds awesome. You're yeah. like, oh, here's something that is eminently killable. Yeah. That cannot hurt you. You're just gonna you're just gonna stab it in the liver. It'll fall down. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. You'll kick it a little bit, and yeah. then you can move on. And you'd be like, haha, remember when I stabbed that guy in the liver. Right. Yeah. Or you're good. your sweet potato fries, because you can't have regular fries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing you might want to try, since you have a group of kids, and this is not something I recommend for adults, obviously, but this is one of the things I recommend for kids playing RPGs is group decision-making. So it does take away some player agency, but I think with kids, especially when they're first learning to role-play, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically it's like, you know, here are the options. <coughs> All right, like, we're actually going to vote on what's going to happen. Um, and that tends to keep the party more cohesive because you don't get the situation where it sounds like like the other kids are building resentment toward that ki- towards that kid. Um, you need to prep it, don't just throw it on them when suddenly, like, oh, I'm about to stab the guy. Oh, no, now we need to take a vote. Like, warn them ahead of time. Like, hey, like, we all want to have fun. We all need to agree on what's going to happen with the story because it belongs to all of us. So when we're faced with these moments that might change things, you know, I'm going to, we're going to put cards down in front of us. We're going to flip the card, yes or no, or something like that. You can do something like that. Um, <coughs> as a role player myself, I don't love that option. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. It's not. Uh, well, it can be fun, and it's it's a great way for to to teach a kid to um, think about other people in the party. It makes them consider <coughs> their feelings. So it may be something that you do for a little while and then pull away as he's like, "Oh, my actions affect other people. They care about this because he's probably not even picking up on the fact that the rest of the group is pissed off at him." Probably not. Yeah. yeah. So that's just another th- tool you can use to start just kind <coughs> of widening his circle of awareness. Um, or you can call his parents and say he can't come back if you want. What you do is you give him 30 M&M's and, that would and be tell him it, it costs yeah. 10 M&M's to stab somebody. 100%. And then watch him eat the M&M's. Right. <laughs> and then, oh, I can't stab him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm not mad at that. Yeah, that's a good idea, too. Very good. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the email there, McVerm. <laughs> and that's it? Yeah. Uh, Renaissance yeah. closing weekend is this weekend. Woo. Last mm-hmm. chance to come out for the whole year and see us. We do shows at uh, noon, two thirty, three thirty, and five thirty on the Golden Jubilee stage. Gotta Rogue watch stage. Gotta watch them all. Right. Gotta yeah. Watch gotta, gotta, watch watch them all. gotta watch them all. And uh, yeah, that's it. And and that's it. Yeah. The, oh, I can't play mm-hmm. that anymore. Oh yeah. And Jackercon. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Jackercon. Sign up for that and see. Come see us at Orcon. It's some music label bought the Russian orchestra recording oh. of the 
thing that I use because I figured they're Russians. They steal shit all the time. I'm going to steal their recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So if I play it, oh. not how right to use. Wait. So what if? But it, that they're Russians. They steal shit. It's That's like it's like if, I, if I'm going to steal the plans to a Chinese submarine. They deserve it. <laughs> You're trying to take what I rightfully stole. Right. <laughs> so you just need to find another so wait, version of I, people playing. I'm going to have to... Find the Estonian... The Estonian national <laughs> anthem. No, the Estonian version <laughs> of... The not Russian, Russian But it's not the Russian anthem, national anthem. That's the Soviet national anthem. But they use the same music. Oh, it is the it's same? It's the same music, oh, okay. yeah. But so yeah, then the Estonian version of, of that national yeah, anthem. Yeah, How is that not public domain? Uh, there was a Russia? recording of it, and and a, some publishing company bought the rights to the recording. Yeah, so the now recording of it. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't own the song. Oh, I see. But the recording you but the, use, the, the you specific sing on top recording of it. Uh-huh. You need to record a kazoo version. N- no, mel- melodica. What's a melodica? <laughs> it's it's like it's a the, the, oh, the, oh, no, it's oh, the keyboard yeah. with the, thing. the blow keyboard. Yeah, oh, yeah, the blow keyboard. That's amazing. No, you got to do that. Or you know, we have access to real instruments. <laughs> yes, but kazoo. not an orchestra. <laughs> kazoo. All right, we should go. <laughs> All right, so I can't play it. Thank you for joining us. Oh, wait. You know what though? I can play other music. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have an entire board of it. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. So thanks, I'm Kimmy. Thank you for joining us for season 24, episode 10 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Oh, I have a master's degree. Uh, this is Kathy. I'm Joey. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. And we'll leave you with this, this song. song. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum.